from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. My name is Jesse Carey, and you are listening to The Relevant Podcast. Here with me today is our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee, actually all the way from Paris, France. Tyler, how's it going, man? Hey, Jesse. And on the the ones and twos, the the illustrious one himself, as always, Chandler Schrank. Chandler, how's it going, man? It's going pretty well. All right. Well, hey, listen, we have a, a unique and special show for you coming up. But first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe, private, online environment. And the great thing, it's super convenient. You don't have to you know, drive across town to, to an office. You can do it right over the internet. Uh, you can get your help on your own time and at your own space. You can schedule secure video and phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist. That is a really cool service, especially for anyone who has, uh, you know, done counseling and, and therapy. You know that, you know, sometimes it's, it's involves like taking time off work and figuring out how you can get over there. Uh, so this is a really convenient solution for that. Uh, licensed professional counselors at BetterHelp are uh, specialized in issues like depression, anger, stress, anxiety, relationship issues, trauma, sleeping, and everything you share is obviously confidential. Uh, There are four different communication modes. Like I said, you can text, chat, phone, or video, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. It's available on desktop, mobile, everything you expect. Uh, And also, the cool thing is, uh, along with being secure, convenient, and professional, financial aid is even available to those who qualify. Best of all, there's a, a truly affordable option for relevant podcast listeners for BetterHelp. You get 10% off your first month with discount code RELEVANT. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash relevant. Simply fill out the questionnaire and help them assess your needs and get matched with the counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant. All right. Well, we have a really great show coming up for you. Uh, Later on, we have the band Joseph. Uh, Man, I really love Joseph. They are in the new issue of Relevant, issue 101. That is out now. So excited to talk to them, hear some of their tunes. Uh, but first off, uh, Tyler and I, you know, want to address why the show is a little bit different today. You know, usually there's four of us around the table. Uh, usually our publisher, Cameron Strang, joins us and we have another guest host. Uh, but today we, we want to do something a little bit different um, and address something that you may or may not have seen us talk about on Twitter or seeing some news stories about Cameron has stepped away from his position for, for a time. And, uh, you know, basically to provide some context if people aren't familiar with this story, uh, last week, some former employees of relevant, some of Tyler and I's former colleagues, um, started sharing stories on Twitter about some negative experiences they had while they were at relevant in the workplace. And a lot of them, uh, you know, came down to Cameron's leadership. Uh, You know, Andre Henry, our former managing editor, uh, who, you know, was on this podcast many times, uh, you know, outlined an episode 
that particularly demonstrated some racial insensitivity and brought up uh, a, a lot of issues that he had with the work environment here. When it came to, uh, you know, particularly, like I said, Cameron's leadership style, and he felt like, and a lot of the, the other employees who've, who have kind of spoken out in recent days, that these are things that need to be addressed and that people need to be treated fairly in the workplace and that relevance uh, internal environment needs to reflect what we hope are the editorial values that we show in our front end. Uh, you know, we, we care about racial justice. We care about talking about things the right way and challenging the church to do better addressing things. And, you know, with all of these, you know, comments that we saw, we decided it, you, to take it seriously. And, you know, so, you know, we, we met as a team on Monday morning, you know, uh, another employee, Rebecca Marie Joe had posted a blog post outlining some of her experiences on Friday afternoon. So we took the weekend to think about what are some proper next steps that we can take and what, how can we hopefully address this the right way and take these concerns seriously and be humble, be teachable, and be apologetic. And that's, you know, we, we obviously feel really badly. And we are very sorry to those employees that had a negative experience, but we want to do the right thing moving forward. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a part of, you know, our community, our, you know, this extended kind of relevant family. We feel the need to be uh, transparent and accountable. And so, uh, you know, Cameron is stepping away for a while. He is going to get uh, counseling. We are working on, uh, you know, counseling and therapy options. And then we want to listen. We want to talk to leaders um, in uh, the African-American community in a diverse range that have a diverse range of expertise that can, uh, you know, offer their insights. We want to do sensitivity training issues. We want to we want to hear. We want to listen. We want to learn. And so we're putting all those steps in place right now. You know, the process, our goal is it for it to be. Uh, not just an extended process and not just one that is going to be in a, a part of our brand moving forward, but also one that is transparent. And as we, you know, right now we're kind of putting a lot of uh, those things in place. And as we kind of lock stuff in, we want to be transparent uh, about how, how it's going, who are the voices, who are the leaders that are, are speaking into Cameron and speaking into relevant. And we want to keep you guys updated on it. You know, we're kind of a couple days into this thing, but Obviously, we're, we're, we're doing our best to take it as seriously as possible. And like I said, to be humble and teachable and accountable. You know, we need accountability. Um, Tyler, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, I, I think, you know, I think there's a few things worth pointing out. Uh, one thing that I do want to say is when we address this as a leadership team to Cameron on Monday, um, I, I can say that I found him very receptive to the things that we as a team felt that we needed to say to him um, and that he he was not, uh, he, uh, he, he understood the severity of what these stories are and what people are saying. So I, I don't want to make it sound like that this was a, this was not something that we had to force upon him. Uh, he was very open to this um the decisions that we've made here. I also want to say, and I, and I can only speak for myself here, and, and, I, and I have done this uh, already. I did this on social media. Um, but I want to personally apologize. 
uh, reading some of these stories, particularly Andres, who I did work with for a long time and who I count as a friend and somebody who I, I love. Uh, and I, I sincerely mean that. And I've spoken to, I, I apologize to him personally, because I think that I could have done a better job in standing up for him and for uh, the, his mission of, of anti-oppression within the workplace of, uh, of black liberation in our country. I feel badly that I didn't do more. I wish that I had. I can't change that, but I hope that, uh, and, and I'm sorry that he had to tell the story to make me realize what should have been done differently. I, I don't want to require other people, uh, the, the emotional and spiritual toil of other people to be required for me to grow as a person. But in this case, that's what happens. So I think the best way that I personally can honor uh, his story is uh, is by trying to be better myself. And that's my pledge to him. That's my pledge to the community of Relevant, to uh, the listeners, people listening to this, people who read the mag and the website, and uh, the people that we bring on this podcast and bring into the magazine, other voices. Uh, I don't. I want to be worthy of your attention and of your time. And so these stories have have helped show me some better ways to do that. And it's not going to be an easy process. This is going to take a long time. We don't know all the details of what yeah. this is going to look like. We will tell you what they are as we make those decisions. Uh, but the best thing I can say for sure right now is that I am sorry. I do apologize. We won't speak for Cameron any more than what he's already posted personally, which you can find on our website and on his Instagram account where I believe he also posted it. But um, but I can speak for, for myself and say that's how I'm feeling. So thank you to everybody who has shared their stories. In addition to Andre and Rebecca, I know that uh, former colleagues, like uh, I'm thinking of Ryan. I, I saw some stuff from Kathy, at least uh, lots of stuff on social yeah. media and all these stories are, are valuable and, and they, they mean a lot. And I know people wouldn't be sharing them if they weren't important. So we, yeah. uh, they're important to us too. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I echo that. And yeah, definitely for people that are interested in Cameron's perspective, check out his Instagram account or relevantmagazine.com where you can see his full statement and his apology. And I, yeah, and I apologize to all my former colleagues too. Like I'm sure there were many, many times I could have done more to make their experience better. I've talked to Andre, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk to him several times. And I think his mission of, you know, creating an anti-racist world is, is very important. And I think we can all, you know, internally do a lot better. And that's what we're out to do. And, you know, to our listeners and to our friends, you know, we want accountability. Um, and I know there's going to be times, you know, I, I'm not, I want to reiterate too, neither Tyler and I are like reading a script right now. Like we, uh, you yeah, know, if this sounds bad, <laughs> because this is complicated and we're, we're having a tough time expressing these things. Yeah. But, but I, I wanted, like, we've talked a lot about what we should do this morning. You know, how do we mm -hmm. want to address this? And it's tempting to, you know, read a script that, uh, you know, we're able to take the time and like really choose the words carefully. So they're a really, uh, clear reflection is of our intentions, but I want to also speak from the heart, you know, like there are going to be times when I don't say the right things when Tyler doesn't say the right things, but you know, or, or Cameron doesn't say the right things, but we want to be teachable and accountable and we want to own mistakes of the past and hopefully be better in the future. I'm, you know, I'm really optimistic about, you know, about relevant, about our team and, you know, about hopefully the steps we're taking to be better in the future. You know, some of the, you know, we're putting together behind the scenes, like these voices that we really want to that have speak into the process and uh, help us tackle the issues that we care about 
but also, mm-hmm. you know, in a meaningful way, but also reflect those values institutionally. And so, uh, you know, that's what that's what our plan is moving forward. Like I said, we want it's going to be a transparent process. So as we kind of have more plans kind of forming, especially as it pertains to the listening aspect, we want to hear, you know, we want to we want to learn. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, keep everyone, uh, you know, up to date on those. And like I said, we we appreciate everyone who's downloading this and listening. We appreciate all our friends and colleagues and, and even our critics, ones that, you know, want to make us better. You know, um, iron sharpens iron. And sometimes that process, you know, that metaphor, you know, I think is so apropos in a lot of ways because when iron slaps iron, it's loud and, it, and, it's, and it's hard, you know. But that's how we get better and we want to get better. And we appreciate our friends. We appreciate our former colleagues. And, you know, we want to we want to be better and we appreciate our listeners. And for you guys, you know, downloading this, hopefully sticking with us and giving us the opportunity to show what, uh, you know, change can look like. And so, like I said, we're hopeful. We're optimistic. And uh, yeah, Tyler, did you have anything else you want to add? No, I don't think so. We, we want to get this right. And we've got a long ways to go, and it'll be hard. Uh, but but we we plan on doing everything we can to be an example of how to handle a situation like this. Lord knows we've tried to hold other institutions to the fire when they've yeah. done something wrong, and, uh, and both in had their response, both in what they did and their response to it. And uh, now it's our turn, and we want to make sure that we're doing the things that we have asked for of other places as well. And we will need the help of of our community to do that. So we. So we are listening and, and we are going to yesterday was we, we made some tough decisions. And I think really the hard work is only just begun. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to it's going to take a while. It's going to take some tough choices, but but we're prepared to make those. And uh, we'll let you know what they are as we finalize them. Yeah. And, and it's also, hey, if I can ask one more thing, I know this is usually the top of the show. This is where we joke around about what we did over the weekend and all of our weekends were honestly you know, dedicated to, you know, addressing this the right way, hopefully addressing this the right way. But if I can't ask one other thing, like if uh, for our listeners, uh, for even critics that are listening, like I totally get that. The only thing I would would ask is you if you could take time, pray for us, pray for Cameron, pray for me and Tyler and the whole team here and pray for, you know, Andre, Rebecca and everyone who's spoken out like we <laughs> you know, we're, we're Christians at at the same day. We're all part of hopefully, you know, the same big family, a part of the same big church. We want to make things right, but we do also, like I said, want to listen, be humble, be teachable. And we want, we want your prayers and support. So uh, anyway, it's kind of a different note to start the show on, uh, but we still have some great things coming up. Tyler, before I transition, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, no, uh, thanks for everybody for sticking with us. I, I know this is strange. These are uncomfortable times and, and I appreciate you bearing with our very imperfect attempts to address this. And I hope you continue to bear with our imperfect attempts to talk about this more in the future. So anyway, that being said, we will continue guys, continue to keep you guys updated. Uh, we'll be back in a normal pace on the, you know, on the Thursday show. Uh, like I said, cameras gonna be away for a while, but we'll have uh, kind of the same uh, uh, round table type of style. But today, a different kind of show. Uh, it's just going to be uh, you out there. 
me and Tyler and Chandler in a glass producer booth that is slowly filling with water. And the valve is too open and he is already chest deep. And I want to keep this show moving along. <laughs> uh, so next up, Slices. You're listening to Chris Farron. The song is Surrender. At the beginning of the at the beginning of the show, you heard Ceremony with the song Turn Away the Bad Thing. That sounds Turn Away the Bad Thing. It sounds like a European horror movie. Like keep the right one in. <laughs> like one yeah. of those, yeah, where there's like a loose translation of something. Like that probably means something good in Ukrainian, but, but here it just sounds. <laughs> Turn away the bat. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's like this acclaimed Swedish horror movie. Yeah. Let the right yeah. one in. You know, there yeah. lies the evil one. You know, it's <laughs> it came out. It came out like two years ago, and it's like yeah. getting the American release, and it stars like Hugo Fogoslov. It's like, oh, like an old folk vampire tale. That's pretty good. I do so much about an ageless child vampire uh, werewolf hybrid, you know, where nothing happens in the movie for the first solid hour. It's just them like, you know, walking around weird I really liked, European locations. I really liked the, uh, the, I really liked that movie. Uh, Let the right one in. I think it's a really yeah. good movie. But do you remember what they, they, cause then they remade it. It came out in the they States re, yeah. with subtitle and they remade it, but in English, do you remember what the re- t- new title was? No. So they so they gave it an American title and it's just and I don't know why, but it always struck me as supremely stupid. I didn't hate the remake. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But it was called Let Me In, which kind of yeah. sounds which kind of sounds like a kid's movie. Like, let me in. Like, it doesn't strike. <laughs> it doesn't strike fear into the, you know, the let the right one in has a little bit of like a not like, oh, what? Who's the right one? Like, I get it. It's a little ominous. It probably isn't a great translation, but at least it sounds just a little bit off-putting. Let me in just sounds like what you shout when the doorbell's broken or yeah, you forgot yeah. your key outside, you know, <laughs> or, and the dogs. Yeah, or, or the, the bus is slowly closing the door and you missed it by just a hair when you were a kid and you're like pounding on a bus driver, let me in. Yeah, I, or I agree. Or Chandler's, when Chandler's water tank gets a little too full in there and he's like trying to get into the actual podcast. Let me in, let me in. By the way, uh, he, I have... <laughs> I have lowered a hose and snorkel in. He will be broadcasting underwater from here on out. Just keep an eye on that. All right, Tyler, it is time. It is time for slices. What do you What do you have for us today, man? All right, so the, we don't usually. It's been a while since we've done a celebrity news roundup here at Relevant. Yeah, yes, and I'm not yes. gonna, And I'm not bringing it back here today. Don't get accepted. Today's <laughs> today's not the day. But uh, but I did want to bring a little bit of casting news because I thought that this well, this is this is right up my my personal beat. So I hope that uh, people will be patient with me. But I'm interested against all odds in the next Batman movie. And even I, avowed comic book fan, am getting a little bit Batmaned out at this point. But I'm a big fan of Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves was the director of the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the most recent one, which I thought was really, really good. Oh, yeah. Brought in to write and direct this new Batman movie. And I think, as we all know, Robert Pattinson has been cast as Batman. I know it's a little bit divisive, but I think it's a really bold choice. It makes it just intrigues me. Like, what kind of Batman movie do you make with Robert Pattinson? So I'm, I'm so right there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go once more into the breach, go back to Gotham, see what this is like. And so now I'm bringing a new late breaking 
possible casting update okay. to this movie that I wanted to discuss a little bit. And that is that they think they have found, they, they think they have found our villain, our bad guy for this. It's going to be either or possibly both uh, the Riddler and Penguin. The Riddler, obviously famously played by Jim Carrey and Batman Forever. Penguin, last time he was on in a live action movie was uh, Danny DeVito and Batman Returns. And it's going to be played by Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill and Robert Pattinson of, uh, uh, of, of, of super bad. I mean, Jonah Hill of a lot is very famous now for a lot of reasons. I still think of him as super bad. Uh, but I, I was, I'm, this is just another like kind of intriguing casting choice for me that's taking this movie in kind of an interesting direction. I think Jonah Hill has navigated the jump from comedy to more serious kind of arty dramas really, really well with like Wolf of Wall Street. And, and I like that Netflix series Maniac with him in it quite a bit. So it's just another, uh, little, uh, it's another reason for me to get more interested in this movie than I probably would be otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I like Jonah Hill, you know, mm-hmm. like I, but I, I feel like he's, he's underrated at like really getting into care for a guy who's got like such a big personality. Right. And like uh-huh. you generally, like a lot of times those type of actors and comedians are like the people who, uh, are a version of themselves in every character instead of like uh-huh. getting into the character. But, uh, you know, like I remember he was really great in like Moneyball and Love he's Moneyball. also, he's also really good at playing people that are like considerably, uh, old. Like he's played, he's played like, high schoolers or at least someone posing me high schooler uh, in two well, different 21, movies. 21 and 22 jump street. Yeah. And super bad. He was like in his mid twenties. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's true. Yeah. He was a very <laughs> believably, very believable high school person in a way that, that they're not always, that they're not always believably high school person. I don't know if you could like, do you, do you think that does it, does it throw you off a little bit when a, when you see somebody who's like, obviously not a high schooler, portraying a uh, portraying a high schooler in one of those movies or, or especially it happens a lot in tv shows it's weird but you always put yourself in that scenario like like what do you would... think it's possible for somebody for an adult to pass off pass themselves off as a as a child and keep a jig going like i'll that? say this i've always dreamed of going back as like a uh uh 21 jump street situation as a full <laughs> oh, grown yeah. <laughs> as a full grown adult you know, going and mainly because I want to see if I could hold my own on the basketball court with because here's the can, oh. can I I don't know how many people play black play basketball out there. Um, I know you consider yourself a pretty good basketball player. I mean, it's it's certainly <laughs> you told inflated. Me you consider <laughs> it's certainly inflated. Okay. I tell my friends that. Uh, but here's the thing about I don't know if anyone played driveway basketball growing up. Growing up, here here's here's the thing with it is that uh, you know when you reach a certain point in age, right? Uh, uh, uh-huh. You develop a a type of strength that isn't due to working out. It isn't due to to even body weight. Or what I've even learned is, is any manner of mature physical strength. All it is is pride and anger that you're not young anymore, like the people you're playing with. <laughs> like if you've ever played your uncle in I driveway basketball, it is going yeah. to be the most violent game of basketball you've ever played because the <laughs> uncle, the uncle knows you're he's outmatched physically. His his nephews who are in high school or maybe even college are quicker and faster. So you develop a series of old man moves. Uh, those moves involve <laughs> involve 
far, far too violent box outs. And you start boxing out before the ball's even in the air. Like you just like they uncles will just start boxing out at any moment. Like the like the game could be at a standstill. You know, everyone drinking Gatorade and an uncle just comes flying at you with his hips, <laughs> his pointy hips and boxing you out for no reason. They're, See, they're, and you're, because you're saying at this point, it's not just he's not just trying to beat you. He has to prove something to himself. Exactly. This has nothing to do with you. You're the one who caught a sweaty forearm to the chin. (laughs) But this is more about him. It's not about you. Like, that's the move. Like, you know, when you jump up for the ball and he has a fistful of your T-shirt in his backhand and your back violently arches up and he grabs the ball out of the sky and just looks at you and laughs. That's about him. It, It feels like it's about you. It feels like it's about you because now you have a cloth burn on your shoulder and his trained back, but he got the rebound. And trust me, he needed that rebound way more than you did. <laughs> I think that, but do you think you could keep up the, even if you could do basketball, do you think if you like, you know, you shave, you get to, you know, you, you go get some new clothes from down at, at forever 21 or, or HN or something like that. Do you think you could passively play yourself off as a high schooler for, let's say a never been kissed situation for like a semester? I, 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 I have an inflated sense of self confidence in a lot of my abilities. So I'd want to say, because like 20, okay, let's talk about 21 jumps. But you can't have a confidence because when you're in high school, you have to have a little bit of insecure, no. like passably insecure. No, I would be, I would be like Channing Tatum in the reboot. <laughs> like I wouldn't be like Johnny Depp, who, by the way, Johnny Depp, clearly a grown man. Like he yeah. d- did nothing Not to disguise character. that he's like in his mid twenties at the time. Twenty one Jump Street is filming. They just didn't think it's weird. That was at a time when it was just common practice on TV and film to have fully grown adults portraying high school kids <laughs> and never address the facts that everyone at these high schools that were usually in and around Beverly Hills or Southern California were all in their mid twenties and for some reason were juniors in high school. Like I remember as a kid, you know, I'm like, I'm not buying this. Like, why did they just set it at like a vocational school where it would be normal to have people in their mid twenties? Like, I, I feel like it would be difficult, but they, they did. They did the same, the same thing. The most recent like high school drama I got caught up in. It's been a while, obviously, uh, but the most recent one I got really caught up in was uh, Friday Night Lights where they would be playing high school students on the show and then they'd go off and do their film roles and they'd be like in the military or lawyers or yeah. high, or, or, or politicians. And it was, they looked the exact same. And I was like, I was homeschooled, so I didn't have a whole lot of basis for what high school is like. But I was, people in public school, high school, live very Mature different lives. Very than, right? Not only different lives, but they have just whole different, like physiological, <laughs> they age differently than my friends do because we were a bunch <laughs> of pimple-faced, like awkward, gangly I'm still like trying to get voice cracking all over the place. And these people are, they, they're supermodels. Yeah. I, I have a, a, as you guys probably know, like a six year old and he's super into monster trucks right now. And so uh-huh. I was on Hulu or, or one of the streaming services. There's a movie that only came out like two years ago called monster truck. Right. And the plot oh, I'm of very this, familiar with this, there's the plot, like real monsters, right? The plot of this movie is there are real, and it has like an interesting kind of environmentalism message, but there are real monsters that live like, you know, I don't like half a mile down and like an evil oil baron. I, it might have been Rob Lowe, if I'm remembering 
uh, uh, correctly is extracting them, but they've but in doing so, they've let loose these monsters who live under the surface of the earth. Anyway, one of those monsters coming to live in the truck of like this kid who's like a junior in high school, and they together they take on the mean bullies and the oil company. Right? Okay, so that's the plot of the movie. Okay, I mean. You're suspending a lot of disbelief on a lot so right of there. angles. Okay. Yeah, sure. But but even my son, who's like five, was like, okay, that guy, that guy who's playing the lead is like 30. Like they didn't even pick, <laughs> they didn't even pick someone who's like 20. Like someone like, hey, that guy's probably not in high school. They picked someone who literally is probably in his 30s at the time. Like they didn't even attempt to make him look 16. Like he might have been legitimately double the character's age. And so yeah, I I, I think if Hollywood gets away with it, I feel like I could too. So. so you're just you're just hoping that the people and your and and your 21 Jump Street situation have been so conditioned by Hollyweird about what a high schooler looks like that they would flatter themselves into thinking, oh, he looks like us, like a normal, like a like a like a normal high school student based off of their experiences watching. Uh, I think Hollywood <laughs> has conditioned them enough. If I walk through the door and you know I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm wearing a Justin Bieber Believe tour. I'm I'm wearing a just yeah. They would either they would either think I'm the new cool kid in town, or obviously there's a vampire (laughs) at the school. Like because that's the other thing. Vampires who are like 500 years old, they go to high school no problem. Like I've seen it in a bunch of movies, so I don't think I have a problem. All right, I I have a two for for us, Tyler. All right, let's hear it. Okay. Nicholas Cage has been sighted in and around the Portland area. Do you have any? Do you have any uh, uh, ideas why he's in Portland? I mean that that's a big question. I, I feel like I feel like both whatever it's whatever the answer is, it's both going to be very surprising and very obvious at the same time. Okay, so he's he's a, so he's in the Pacific Northwest. I'll tell you this: he is filming a new movie, Chandler. Sure, it's sure. I want to throw something out there and have you blindly guess. Okay. okay. And here's what I want you to try to determine. It's it's uh, it's a Nicolas Cage film that is being filmed in and around Portland. And the title of this film is Pig. Knowing only those facts, Nicolas Cage, the location in the title. I want you to take one wild guess as to what the plot is. I'm assuming he's a farmer of some sort. Do, do you know what type of genre it is? Uh, it is. No, this seems like it transit like reading the plot summary, which is all I know. Uh, it seems it literally that the plot of this film could fit any genre. I'm assuming it has something to do with being vegan or against <laughs> eating meat. I like that. Uh, I mean, it's not even close. So I will okay. tell you that about the new <laughs> film Pig. Not even close. And I will read the exact description as uh, described by Variety. Pig tells the story of a solitary organ truffle hunter played by Cage, who loses his pig while forging in the woods and must journey to Portland and his long-abandoned past to recover her. Uh, here's the, the the log line provided by the studio. When his beloved foraging pig is kidnapped, he must return into Portland and his long-abandoned past to recover her. Okay. <laughs> uh, all, right, all right. All right. I'm all caught up. I'm all caught up. 
I, so one, what genre is this film? <laughs> like, I well, mean, honestly, it could be a comedy. Thriller. It could be a funny yeah. comedy. Yeah. It could be like Dunstan checks in. What's the one? Wasn't Jason Alexander in a movie when we were kids where he had like a monkey that got loose and the monkey had all these funny things? Am I inflating that? I feel like there's a Jason Alexander monkey. Movie. I don't remember a monkey movie, but that does. But Dunstan checks in. I don't think Jason Alexander was in that, but there's some sort of like lost monkey on the loose situation there. Same with like Mighty Joe Young. I think Charlie's Theron was yeah. like trying to get a gorilla back or something like that. Yeah. So this is a, but that I feel like if it's Nicolas Cage, we're not looking at a family friendly. I feel like this is going to be more of like a, a, a deep, dark, like, like swan dive into the depth, into the dark heart of a man who's got a lot to lose. And the pig is the one thing that's kept him sane, his beloved pit, like kind of a John Wick situation, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. you know, John Wick lost a dog. This guy, as far as we know, the pig isn't dead, but but it brings up a lot of, uh, he's on a murderous mission of revenge. I, I almost feel like, yeah, it could be that. And I, it, it could be like a weird, you know, drama for all I know. It could be a horror uh-huh. film. I, you know, we could, the yeah. twist could be that the, the pig is some, some sort of, uh, <laughs> let the right one in, uh, type of monster, you know, like a vamp pig. Yeah. If the movie had the same plot was called turn away the bad thing, I would be way more interested than that. Than it's oh, I'm pig. still pretty. I'm pretty interested. I want to know. I, I'm always I'm I'm always down to see what Nicholas whatever Nicholas Cage is cooking. It's going to be weird, and I'm and I'm interested in, in watching it. So it's called Pig. It's called Pig. But I almost I think feel it's like gonna be dark. I think it's going to be dark. I have a theory. I have a theory uh-huh. that there was a Mad Lib. Right? There was a Mad Lib situation, uh, yeah, and there was yeah, a sure. giant bowl of of like uh, uh, nouns for like you know thing place you know, uh, uh, a verb. And so it, when his <laughs> beloved blank is blank, <laughs> he must journey into blank and his long abandoned past to blank. And they were literally just reaching. They're like, Guys, I got bad news. When his beloved, I got foraging pig. <laughs> okay, I mean, the rules are cl- the rules are clear. We said we would make whatever the movie is. And we can't like, turn back now. They're like, oh gosh. Okay, when his beloved foraging pig is, come on, please, please, kidnap. Okay, now we're talking. Okay. Now no, we're, we're talking. We, he must journey into Portland. Okay, we'll do Portland. Uh, uh, and as long as band is best to blank her recover. Oh, thank God. Okay. We have a film here. We have a film. So it's called, it's, it is called, uh, 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 pig. It is not uh, his journey into his long abandoned past to sing to her, to eat her, but to recover her. And it's called pig. And it will be, I do have a question. I do have a question about the, uh, the, maybe somebody maybe you know the answer to this jesse i don't know if you're raised on a farm foraging pig okay i do know about this actually because this isn't chandler's wrong and it's farming okay it's a foraging pig uh he's looking for truffles is that what it is so so truffles here's my understanding i'm not an expert in truffle hunting but i watch (laughs) i weirdly watched a lecture on it one time and the reason (laughs) because i was curious like why the heck are truffles so expensive like, yeah. I don't know if anyone saw the thing going around about how cashews grow the other day on Twitter. Uh, uh, it was yeah, like yeah. trending because you ever, you ever try to buy like a uh, like a little cup of pistachio uh, of uh, cashews like from the grocery bucks. store. It's like nine bucks, yeah, you know, yeah, and you're like, well, yeah. the peanuts 
are like three. What's the deal here? It's because cashews are actually like the stem of a fruit that actually looks like a weird looking apple. And you have to like break them off. And that's the nut. It's like the stem of this apple, I think. So, oh, uh, so that's why they're super expensive. So one day I was like, curious as to why truffles are so expensive. And I'm going to butcher this. There's going to be some truffle hunter listener uh, uh, listening to this and be really upset with me. But from my understanding, truffles are like a, like a mushroom, like a fungus. But they actually grow like a couple inches below the surface of the ground. So they're oh, okay. incredibly okay. difficult to find because you can't see them. Which is why the, they're so expensive, right? You yeah. Can't just, truffles always take a lot. Yeah. And so what you have to do is you have to get like an animal with a really heightened sense of smell, like a dog or a specially trained dog or a foraging pig. And they go out and and like in the woods and they go sniff out what where underground these truffles are buried. And they're super hard to find. And if you don't have like a trained animal, you're not going to find any truffles. But then you dig your hand in there, you dust it off, put it in your truffle bag and and, you know, away you go to sell them to, you know some fancy spancy restaurant um but they're super hard so if you lost your for if you're if you're a truffle hunter and you're foraging kid someone kidnapped it it's not like you ran away <laughs> someone kidnapped the foraging pig i think you actually do have a pretty compelling plot of the movie because nicholas cage is essentially out of work once this pig gets kidnapped so um, oh okay so this is so this is not it, it is a beloved pig but it's also presumably his livelihood uh, so his I, life I is on the what, line. Hey, I know what you know. <laughs> uh, so Chandler, I'm sorry you were way off. All right. Um, uh, next, next item. Uh, I, I have a twofer, as always. Uh, next item, the Museum of the Bible this week. Okay. So uh, yeah. um, the museum, I've, I've never, I haven't been to the Museum of the Bible yet. I've heard no, it's incredible. I, I, People I've, seem to like it. Yeah, I hear good things. Real talk, I've heard, uh, like, you know, if you are a fan of the Bible or even just history, like, I think a lot of it's pretty fair minded. I don't, it's not like a creation museum situation where there's a dinosaur with a saddle on it that you can jump on and take pictures on, you know. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the Not that there's any. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, I think it takes its, I think its overall tone is a little differently, which I will say, I made light of the dinosaur with the saddle. And I got an email from, the, the, oh, from right. answers in Genesis that were upset <laughs> right. that I made light of it. So I will specify what they told me is that that dinosaur with the saddle on it uh, <laughs> was not an actual exhibit, which is a fun taste place to take a photo of. And look, I've been to I've been to uh, 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 what's it called? The Creation Museum a number of times. I don't necessarily agree with all their, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, theological interpretations, um, but. They're plant. I love planetariums, and they have one sweet planetarium in there. Planetariums are like when, when the planetarium day at school was the second best day aside, right behind field day. You know, there's nothing like going into that cold room and just taking a nap for a while. That's why I love <laughs> why some old why some old boring guy just drones on about the universe for like an hour. You're like, oh, this is this is like a sleep app here. <laughs> like this works better than white noise, guys. This guy this guy's talking about how long it would take to fly to Uranus here, and, and I'm just dozing. You know, like I, drone on guy. I've had a long day at school, and it's very cool in this planetarium. It's very dark and the music <laughs> is very like sonic and soothing chandler did you go to planetariums much yeah i mean i think everyone did if they went to like public school i'm yeah, not my not my experience unfortunately Were you but, yeah. homeschooled yeah. uh-huh i was homeschooled okay. so okay. i we just went outside 
Yeah. Planetary, <laughs> planetarium day at Tyler's house was uh, his parents went in the closet and put those little green glow in the dark stars <laughs> in, in, stars in, in, the, in the closet. And they're like, go lay in there for an hour. <laughs> there's, there's stars, there's planets, I don't know. Whatever, you'll, 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 you'll figure Doesn't it matter. out. You'll figure Doesn't it out. Matter. Who knows how they got there 5,000 years ago? Who knows? Just go stare out there and listen. We'll tell you when you can come out of the closet. But in the meantime, well, I need you to just lay there. Well, that one's the moon. Uh, this one with the rings man. around it is probably Saturn. And then there's some more. And uh, then there are stars. So that's anyway, pretty much all we've learned so far. Anyway, yeah. Can't believe all that got done in 5,000 years. Uh, you know, when the sun was placed in its orbit 1,200 years ago today. Um, all right. So the museum, of, all I say is the museum of the Bible is different than uh, the creation. Uh, to my knowledge, they don't have a planetarium, but everything I've heard about it is how like legitimately cool it is, no matter uh-huh, what yeah. your faith inclinations are. Um, uh, and they have done a really good job on cost. You know, from my from my understanding, they spared no expense with it. And if you're in D.C., it definitely looks like something to check out. Um, but this week they hosted a luncheon and fashion show it was a fundraiser uh, featuring biblically inspired couture and designs. Uh, it was like a fashion of the Bible type of, of show, mm. or it was a biblical fashion show, I think is how their press release uh, framed it. Um, and uh, so when I read biblical fashion show, I'm thinking we're going to have models come out and like I'm finally because I got a picture in my mind of Joseph's coat of many colors or like what the right. fruit of the spirit would look like on a real spiritual warrior you know and I, we've all seen the bible oh, like movies the armor of god like the like yeah. the, the helmet of salvation yeah yeah exactly that that's my thought too we've all seen the same bible movies where everyone's basically uh-huh. wearing a variation of the same thing and maybe that's what it's like but the museum of the bible is like next level and so uh i was picturing like oh they're gonna i'm gonna legit see what these guys and girls and uh uh you know these bible characters that i know are going to be wearing i was curious how they're going to handle the adam and eve situation uh, because <laughs> especially start from the beginning it's a uh, family know? friendly it's a family friendly situation yeah, because, I assume. Uh, yeah yeah you know but but you know as you get deeper into the bible you know things get boring for a while i'd, I'd imagine like culture <laughs> went through the same but when we get to revelation i'm talking well how's oh, yeah. this how's this dragon yeah. with seven heads you know coming out and what's the thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his step like how are we going to see this now i'm talking here a flaming Death sword on a white horse yeah yeah, with the, with the, on a, yeah i'm excited so it starts off <laughs> it starts off a little <laughs> so, mature with a the garden risky for the kids but but accurate yeah, it's a true. small part of the story yeah. and then it, yeah and then it moves on uh but then i learned that the fashion show here's what here's what the biblical the bible couture collection is the fashion show featured pieces from the museums of the bible's couture collection including items from uh versace jean jean paul guitar dolce and gabbana <laughs> in addition to donated and purchased items it also had style bible author and established dc fashion expert laura rothman uh uh styling the show uh uh, the the permanent exhibit focused on the Bible's impact on fashion is located on the uh, uh, in the museum, and it looks at uh, uh, you know the, the Bible's impact on the world. But these are like legit gowns from like fancy designers. I probably butchered the pronunciation of some of their names, but so it's like Bible themed stuff, not so much like from what I like, saw. From what like I saw, biblical wear. 
from what I saw, like the gowns and stuff took, obviously took some very, excuse me, loose interpretation of what the Bible's impact would be. You know, it's like, well, this one, uh, you know, is is it's a little like uh, what? It's, it's a little baggy. <laughs> like, I don't know. like it didn't look. I mean, I didn't go to the show, but I looked at the gowns on online, and it's not what I was hoping. Like, I don't want to see a Versace dress in a Bible, uh, uh, you know, uh, fashion like a show. Biblically themed. Like, I know, I, I, I know that Gwendolyn Christie at the Emmys. Got yeah. a lot of talk for her dress having sort of a, a biblical theme to it. It was like a white, very like loose fitting white dress with sort of a, some red detailing that sort of called to mind the popular depiction of Jesus. You know, yeah. he always has like a red towel around him in the Bible or whatever. Yeah. It, it was clearly inspired by that. Is that what we're talking about? That yeah, sort of stuff. I, I mean, this, this is more like yeah, this is like evening wear from the pictures I saw that you wouldn't really know. Like, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it was inspired. I don't know. If you didn't, I, if I didn't know it was inspired by the Bible, I would never guess it just by looking at the. You would not. Pictures. You would not presume that this is part of a biblical fashion. The other thing too <laughs> is like, I want to be the designer. Like, I'm the, I'm the designer at Gauthier and Dubai. It was like, oh look, uh-huh. look, look, yeah. look at this man, a Bible fashion show. All right, let's get to work and do some little out of the box here, and you. Should Show up to the event and your model, your backstage, and it's just like the loincloth we've all seen, where it's basically <laughs> yeah. like sort of like this big diaper. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go for this minimalist beachwear thing, but it's just <laughs> it looks like a large diaper, right? <laughs> and the model gets there and everyone else is like an evening gear where, and you're like, I grossly misinterpreted <laughs> the one the, guy who didn't get the <laughs> I did not understand what you meant by biblically interpreted fashion. So <laughs> really I don't know what to, to do here, but I you're about to literal, walk down that. Took, yeah. It took more of a literal interpretation as yeah. one does with the Bible. than maybe I was supposed to. <laughs> yeah. I took this one a little too literally. I should have, should have taken like the raw bell route here and really, you know, <laughs> so I just thought, yeah, taking it a little more figurative approach to yeah. my biblical interpretation. Yeah. They went a little like, fundamental, uh, you know, in, in interpretation there. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, Jesus has a, like a white robe with a little red towel. You often see like, uh, like, uh, I feel like David is wearing some purple, like kind of kingly wear. Uh, and then Samson, I assume just was like bare chested the whole time, you know, he had big muscles. He didn't need to, didn't, didn't need to hide what the Lord had given him yeah. from, from people. And then, and then Esther, you see a lot, she's got like, uh, she, she always looks very like Royal after that. I, don't even know where I'd go. Yeah, yeah. Dragons and stuff from Revelation. And there's all sorts of material there. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm John uh, the Baptist. Uh, well, yeah. that's interesting. Uh, I would like, I'm sad that we didn't get the invite. Maybe we did. Maybe I missed it in the inbox. It seems like something that we would have gotten one of those PR notices about. I'll check, Next my, time. I'll check time. my spam folder. So anyway, hey, that'll do it for slices. Next up, Joseph joins us. Yeah, there's this hole in my soul.
listening to Oso oh Oso. Oh the song is Dig. Well, Joseph is an Americana folk band from Portland, Oregon, ironically, who did not plan <laughs> that. You should ask them about uh, They write they a lot about uh, truffle foraging. It's comprised of, of, of three sisters, actually, a trio. Uh, Natalie Klossner, Shepman, Allison Klossner, and Megan Klossner. And on their latest album, Good Luck Kid, the band wrestles uh, with ideas like life, love, and purpose. Uh, but behind the scenes, the album actually never, almost never happened. Uh, so in the latest issue of Relevant, Relevant 101, issue number 101, we talked to the band about uh, you know how the album came together, but also what it's like being in a band with your siblings and how you know they really had to rally to make this this one happen. Tyler, you got to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, this was a uh, this was a really interesting conversation. I appreciated their candor with me talking about just the reality. I think anytime you see a a, a band of siblings, you know, there's kind of that thought like, I wonder how I would do with my siblings in a band. Like, like I get along with my siblings, but you're also like, yeah, that you, you're not afraid to fight with your siblings. You're not afraid. You don't feel like you have to be quite as diplomatic. Uh, so they were very open about some of the struggles they've had as a family. And here's the story they told. curious about the about this album because I, I sounds like and this is uh, I don't think it's as too much of a jump reading between some of the lines of some of the other interviews you've given and some of the statements you've put out on on social it's something like the last couple of years have had some ups and downs certainly that is absolutely true was there a part where was there a time when you were thinking like maybe we've come to the end of the road as Joseph yeah absolutely there was we we talked a little bit about it in some of our Instagram posts, but basically we we just got really tired. And after our last record cycle, and relationally, we just weren't doing so hot. There was a lot of personal stuff happening that was kind of getting in in the way of us being able to really be relationally very successful with each other, <laughs> to put it kindly. And uh, when we were um, touring as a trio this year, we just we almost called it quit because we just were like if it's going to be like this we just can't do it it's not worth it for anybody is that kind of tough because i can see you being like on the one hand we're doing really well the album's doing well we're playing shows we've kind of in a lot of ways achieved the dream or this thing has gone a lot further than we thought it would uh and then it ends up being a lot more difficult in ways than you thought it was did you try to just like power through and be like uh, try to ignore the problems for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this happens in any endeavor that people do together as a team. It's like you both, you want the end goal. You all want the end goal, but the way that you want to have the end goal might differ. And mm -hmm. so um, it's always such a coordination to be on the same page about how you get to where you're going. It's never binary. You know, it's like you're feeling a million things all at once. It's such a gift to get to be doing what we're doing and to have gotten as far as we have. And, you know, you're also in every moment, minute by minute, trying to figure out how to get to the next one. So it's all of it at the same time.
What? So when you go back, then you, you decide to to double down and and uh, go. You head back to the studio or start writing again. Um, are things a little different this time, based on not just the general experience of uh, of going working through some conflict, but also just being a little more experienced in general? Do you feel like you're you're doing this in a different way or a better way now than you were last time? Absolutely, it's, it feels like so exciting to get another chance at this because having been through a full record cycle start to finish really you know it's like anything you just learn you learn Mm -hmm. so much and it was such a learning curve at first and we wrote these songs with big crowds in mind and the way that it feels to play with a band prior to um the release of i'm alone no you're not which is our last lp we had only played just trio and so we wrote those songs on just guitars and voices and then with the production after working with Mike Mogus it became what it was and then we started playing with a van and I think after having felt that electric feeling of playing with a band these we wrote songs that were more suited to playing with a band for this next album feel like with this new album with good luck kid is there a uh, do you feel like there's uh, and i know it's not a concept album or anything but is there sort of a theme to the album or, or a general vibe that's over the entire thing that's unique to it yeah so um you're gonna see a lot of car imagery mm-hmm. as the you know more visuals are rolled out I have, I have noticed that you have yeah cool so that was um actually the work of digging in we worked with a creative director her name is Patrice and Patrice Leiter and it was really we'd never done that before and it was really incredible because I think when you're making something you get too close to it and having this outside person come in and really internalize everything she pointed out that we have six references to driving across the album and you weren't even aware of that no we didn't you know maybe if I'd known I would have thought we should have fewer you know (laughs) we were just I think Sure. Yeah, and she was like, it's so, it's so interesting because every single song is about you're either in the passenger seat or you're in the back seat mm. or you don't know who's driving, you know, and there's all of these songs with this kind of metaphorical backseatness in your life. And then in, in the title track, The Luck Kid says they handed you the keys, you're in the driver's seat now. Uh. And that was really telling when, when she pointed that out that this body of work really is about and in each of our lives it's stories of how we got in the driver's seat of our own life That was Joseph. The record is Good Luck Kid. Remember, you can see our full interview and a feature on the band in issue 101 of Relevant, which is out now. Coming up next, feedback.
Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment and get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, anger, stress, anxiety, and more. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Relevant podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code RELEVANT. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com relevant. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant. Thought I could read you, but I lost my place now on different pages. I need you. Thought I could read you, but I lost my place now on different pages. I need you. You're listening to Joseph. The song is Green Eyes. Well, hey, listen, we're going to keep feedback a little bit short because uh, last time we all met, we discussed. Um, Ghost in the Bible. Another theme, fashion, fashion, no one talks about that. I'm glad at least Museum of the Bible opened up the, <laughs> the conversation. But also, uh, uh, we wanted uh, to hear your thoughts on Ghost in the Bible and ghost stories. But I want to save those actually for the Halloween episode, the spooktacular that is weeks away. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> and uh, uh, so we're going to we're going to keep this one relatively short. But I do want to say um uh, can I read just one that really uh, oh, that yeah. took it? This one took a hard turn. Okay. So we're <laughs> okay. asking about ghosts, the Bible and, and all that jazz and Josh sent us something. And like I said, I'm reading, this was a two, it was in a thread of two tweets. Right. And okay. so, um, so it starts off because we were like, Hey, how come pastors never talk about ghosts uh, or, or mm-hmm. aliens from the pulpit? We feel like a lot of people are interested in this. We just had this whole area of 51 uh, uh, hoopla, you know, people want to talk about this. Why don't I get a Christian oh, yeah. perspective on it? You know, um, and I still want to see my aliens ghost uh, sermon. Um, so here's what Josh said. And I'm going to read the first part. Um, <laughs> uh, and you're like, oh, OK, though, that's cool. My my youth pastor did, in fact, do a series on aliens and ghosts and how in, in, in the sermon aliens were demons. And Josh says it was terrifying. It was a it was a stormy night. And during it, we all heard a scream from the parking lot. We were 12. Okay. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, like so far, yeah, this, so far, pretty, pretty spooky, but yeah. And, and, and like, I've heard that take before that aliens yeah. are like some sort of, you know, supernatural being and, you know, like uh, the dark side or something disguising. So I've heard that, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not going to make commentary on it. I'm not an expert in any of this stuff, but I've heard that. Then I read, then I read the second part of his tweets, which I was like, okay, this, okay. this is the hardest turn this story <laughs> in this sermon could possibly take. Okay. So I'm like, all right, interesting. Glad you sent it to us. But uh, you know, here's, here's part two. Let me clarify. He believed aliens were demons because his six-year-old quote, saw one and drew it. And it looked like an alien. <laughs> Okay. What? So he's he's preaching not a theory, but he's preaching this is this is this is his observed reality. His child 
sees aliens and or saw something and drew a picture of it and it looked like an it looked something that he saw was like an alien like a, this is like a signs like a signs situation okay his six year imagine this you're 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 you know joe jane youth pastor right uh-huh, you're you're yeah. hanging out you, you know we have uh-huh. pretty conventional theology you believe in angels you believe in demons but that's where it stops okay you know maybe because no pastor does sermons on aliens and demons so anyway uh uh you know He's he's prepping his next sermon and his six year old said comes up to him and goes, I saw this and hands you a picture of a really creepy looking alien. It's like some Stephen King stuff. Yeah, you're like, OK, well, they're real and they're demons. Time to gather up the youth group. <laughs> Time to have the sermon. The, the I Kiss Dating Goodbye series is going to have to wait. We're talking about this drawing. <laughs> you tell you me. Call? You tell me, <laughs> congregations. You call. You tell me, crowd of twelve-year-olds. That you know, we just did a sermon series about David and Goliath and bullying, and now we're talking about a picture that my six-year-old drew that we're only assuming is a visitation by a demonic entity disguised by an alien. That's the sermon. So. I need to know. We need to know more. But he he clearly. It sounds to me. Like he called all the parents and he said, send your kids to church right now. It's storming out. I don't care. Yeah. This can't wait. Get them in. I've had a revelation. I've had a revelation <laughs> about the reality of the world. And the kids got to know what kind of world they're getting themselves into. We've been focusing on the wrong thing. They're wondering about whether or not they can kiss before they're married. We have to t- tell them that there are forces out there seeking the demise of the planet Earth. They're, daemon- they're demons masquerading as <laughs> aliens. Oh, children, I have a very special sermon. The sermon tonight is titled Turn Away the Bad Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested in Josh. If Josh wants to share a little more about what the six-year-old saw and drew, yeah. uh, I'd be interested in hearing a follow-up, some follow-up conversation. Yeah, yeah. So let us know, Josh, because we are all equally as disturbed as you were, and we're adults, and you were a 12-year-old child at the time. And well, we, hey. believe, we believe this child unreservedly, for what it's worth. Yeah. Okay, so that'll do it for this week's feedback. Uh, here's this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, uh, this week we talked about a biblical fashion show and how I was kind of disappointed when I saw the actual items in it. Again, no shade to the Museum of the Bible or the talented mm-hmm. designers that mm-hmm. you know did that collection. I misinterpreted what the intent of this thing was. So we want to ask you, what would you include in a biblical fashion show? Uh, you know, get creative here because I already told you some of my ideas, especially when it gets into Revelation and the outfits get pretty wild. They're like the Met Gala balls where they're basically giant Halloween costumes. Uh, so, all right. Well, uh, yeah. So send us your feedback at Relevant Podcast. I want to thank uh, Joseph for joining us. You can get their new album, Good Luck Kid. Uh, it's out now. Uh, you can also check them out in issue 101 of Relevant. And if you subscribe, you'll get that now. Also, I want to uh, thank BetterHelp. Remember, you can go to betterhelp.com slash relevant. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched for a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant. All right, so that will do it for today's show. And once again, uh, keep us in your prayers, keep Cameron in your prayers, and keep all of our, our friends and, and, and colleagues and you know, the different people who have kind of, uh, you know, raised some concerns and uh, keep, keep everyone in your prayers. We want to do the right thing and we want to, we want to be teachable. We want to be humble. We want to, uh, you know, ultimately have the story hopefully be a redemptive one. And uh, we appreciate everyone 
for listening. That'll do it for this week. We'll be back on Friday. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chandler String. We'll see you guys on Friday. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe did not understand what you meant by biblically interpreted fashion. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.